Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, March 14th of 2019, and this is one day after, actually two days after, really, a significant Google algorithm update. Um, I know a lot of you are really interested in this, so I'm going to give you some early thoughts of mine on this update. And then, of course, as we always do, we're going to talk about uh, the recent news in SEO. We'll talk a little bit about some interesting stuff that was published published recently on um, determining how you can determine whether a Google quality rater has looked at your site and whether that means anything. We'll also talk a little bit about the changes to Moz's DA and uh, whether you should be concerned about that as well and a whole bunch of other SEO related tips. So let's first start talking about algorithm updates. Um, before we get into the March 12th update, let me just talk briefly briefly about March 6th, 2019. We saw a number of sites in our Google Analytics profiles that saw changes on March 6th, and it seems that almost all of these sites uh, had some type of reversal of changes that happened on February 27th. So if you were negatively affected or even positive, positively affected on February 27th of 2019, there's a good chance that something was rolled back on March 6th. Um, most of the clients that we saw that saw changes on March 6th, uh, you know, it seems like it was a reversal of something that happened before. It's hard to say exactly what was happening with March 6th. I heard some theories that uh, Google has reduced the number of um, in-depth articles that are being seen in the search results, and potentially this lined up with this change, but I really can't make uh, a connection amongst the data that we have. Um, so let's move on. I'm sure most of you who are listening to this are most interested in what happened this week with March 12th. Um, it's funny, the SEO community always struggles to put names on these algorithm updates. I've heard a few people suggest Florida too. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. There was a Florida update and I'm trying to remember what year it was. It Honestly, it was before I was super active in SEO. Uh, it could even be as far back as 2007 or so. Um, I'm sure I could look that up, but it really, it was uh, quite a long time ago that there was a Florida update. This update has nothing to do with that update back many, many years ago. The reason why people want to call it Florida is that last week, PubCon Florida was on and Gary Ish was visiting Florida or visiting this conference. He gave a keynote talk, which I'm going to talk a little bit about in the rest of this podcast. Um, and then he also uh, sat down and had conversations with many of us at PubCon Florida. So I can tell you now that Gary actually shared uh, with me and with other people that were at our table that this big algorithm up update was going to happen on March 12th. Now, I don't know whether this was a test to see you know, are we going to be um, blabbing about the inside information that we got from Google? Uh, or, you know, maybe Google is trying to figure out who to trust, or maybe Gary just had new information and he wanted to share it with some of us. Um, but I'll tell you that around our office, we all sat there and we looked at sites that we thought were going to make recoveries. And we had cast up on the big screen, the uh, real-time analytics of a few of these sites where uh, we really felt that we were going to be seeing improvements. And March 12th went on and not a whole lot happened. And so I'm glad that I didn't jump out and say, hey guys, I think there's going to be an update on uh, March 12th. It turns out there was a big update. 
But most sites did not see the true effect of this until starting March 13th. So we came into the office, uh, it was yesterday, um, when you're listening to this, I, you know, I, it probably isn't yesterday, but March 13th, we came in and we were, were getting emails from clients saying, hey, we've seen some nice improvements. And, uh, and then we were actually seeing some improvements in a number of our clients' traffic. So this is what I think is happening uh, with this update. Now, let, before I move on to that, let's just talk about this whole Florida name. I honestly think that we should not be naming updates. Panda and Penguin had names because they were named that way internally at Google. Uh, and so Panda was named after Nanveet Panda, who was um, probably the originator of this algorithm. His name is on the patents that are involved with Panda. Penguin was an internal name that Google put on the Penguin algorithm. It was something that uh, nobody really knows why they chose Penguin. Um, I kind of feel like they said, well, Panda is black and white animal and Penguin is a black and white animal. But, uh, you know, we don't know why Google called it Penguin. Fred, uh, Fred, which was March of, uh, gosh, was that 2017? Now it was. Fred was named that way out of a joke that um, Gary Ish, uh, Barry Schwartz asked Gary to put a name on the Fred algorithm or on this update that had big update that happened in March of 2017. And Gary facetiously said, look, I'm not, I don't really care. I've been taking all these pictures of uh, fish. He does really, really fantastic fish photography. And uh, I call this particular fish, and he took a picture of it, uh, Fred. So maybe you should call all updates from this point on Fred. And so that update got the name Fred. Um, whether we want to call this Florida 2, I think that's really confusing because uh, people are going to look up what Florida 1 is and, uh, you know, this update has nothing to do. The algorithms have changed so dramatically since the initial Florida update that it doesn't make sense to me. So I am going to call it March 12th. Uh, 2019. And I've just realized that in my newsletter, I've put 2018. So we're going to change that. I'm so bad with dates. Um, March 12th, 2019 update, unless it really catches on with the search community and, uh, and then we'll call it uh, whatever the search community is calling it. So what sites were affected here? What I did, um, it's really hard because it's only been a couple of days since this update happened. And then realistically, most sites that saw changes, it took till the middle of March 13th before those changes were really showing changes in traffic for these sites. I mean, maybe you went from uh, page nine for a query to page two, you're not going to see an increase in traffic for that site uh, until you move up to near the top of page one. And then, you know, assuming that that happens, that's going to happen. Maybe Maybe it's March 14th, maybe even beyond for those changes to happen. Um, but Danny Sullivan from Google officially announced that, yes, there was a broad core quality update and that that update was released March 12th. Uh, fun fact, that's actually Gary Isha's birthday. And Gary shared with me that, hey, they're releasing the update on my birthday. I don't think the two are correlated. Who knows? Maybe they wanted to release it a few days later and Gary was like, hey, why don't we do it on my birthday? Um, regardless. 
It's March 12th. And uh, Danny shared that uh, this was a broad core algorithm update. Um, didn't really share a lot of other details other than he pointed us towards looking at Google's quality raters guidelines. So those of you who are fans of the podcast and who have been following my work for some time know that we're really big fans of Google's quality raters guidelines. And what we do in our site reviews is we take um, as much information from those guidelines as we can and we say, look, how could you improve your website? so that uh, if somebody was using these quality readers guidelines to assess your website, they would say it was a high quality site. Now, um, I've said this before, but if something's in the quality raters guidelines, we can't be 100% sure that Google is algorithmically measuring that. But what we do know, and this is based on a quote from Ben Gomes, the VP of search at Google, he had an interview with CNBC. And he said that basically, uh, you know, the algorithms aren't exactly reflecting what's in the quality raters guidelines, but the guidelines show us where we want the algorithms to go. And so our philosophy is that, I mean, we look at technical things, we look at a great number of, you know, our are you providing value as compared to your competitors? Uh, but a big chunk of our reports is looking at things that are outlined in these quality raters guidelines. And so it's encouraging that um, Danny Sullivan, he tweeted under the Google search liaison account, and he said, this week we released a broad core algorithm update as we do several times per year. Our guidance about such updates remains as we've covered before. Please see these tweets for more about that. Um, and then he referenced some tweets uh, that were basically, I believe they were from the March 9th update last year, um, where uh, he pointed people towards Google's quality raters guidelines. Those of you who are members of our newsletter, if you're a paid member of the newsletter, you still have access to uh, one of the uh, guidelines that we use. We I basically created a checklist based on the quality raters guidelines that you can use to assess sites with. Um, this checklist is getting a little bit outdated now, and at some point we will update it, although it's not a top priority for us. We have an updated version we use internally. Um, but if you still want to have access to that uh, a little bit older um, information, if you're a paid newsletter subscriber, you have free access to that. If you can't figure that out, just shoot us an email and we'll uh, we'll find you the link for that. Um, and like I said, we'll, we'll be updating that at some point in the future. So what are we seeing? Uh, we're actually really happy with the results and we, uh, uh, we have a number of clients that are up anywhere from, you know, a 10% increase, which is, you know, not crazy. Uh, one of our clients has so far, uh, a 1000% increase, basically a tenfold increase in traffic that's coming from Google. Um, all of these sites are across different verticals, but the one thing that is uh, the same about them all is they would be YMYL, your money or your life sites. So if you have a site that is financial, medical, legal, um, takes any sort of money transaction. So even if you're selling small ticket items, if you're taking credit cards, you're YMYL. And uh, those are the types of sites that could be affected by this update. Now, something that's interesting is we've received just a small handful of emails from site owners who are saying, hey, I was hit by this update and I need some help in recovering. Usually when there's a big update, so when August 1st happened, within two days, our inboxes were full. We had so many people requesting help with uh, drops that they had seen, and we're not seeing that this time. So what does that mean? 
I think that what has happened, and this is really early, I'll tell you, I'm going to be writing a full post early next week on my uh, findings from this update, uh, but I don't like to do that until several days have passed because sometimes Google can tweak things and maybe a site that saw improvements goes back to the regular rankings. So I actually tweeted some improvements. If you want to search out my uh, my Twitter handle is Marie underscore Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S, and you can find uh, what I tweeted on some sites that are seeing some improvements. Improvements. Um, but anytime you see this, I mean, it, you, you really should be, and you know, I've had emails from people saying, hey, I wrote an article on this update. Do you want to include it in your newsletter? And I'm like, guys, like not enough time has passed. So it's fine to say, here's some observations. But if you're trying to say, look, this is what this update is about, not enough time has passed to assess that, in my opinion. So I'm going to give you a few thoughts on what we're seeing so far. What we're seeing so far is that a number of sites that were negatively affected by August 1st, which was what we called the medic update, or September 27th, which didn't have a name, but I think was all related to trust and as uh, how trust is outlined in the quality raters guidelines, a number of those sites saw partial or complete recoveries. And what I mean by that is um, partial recoveries, you know, maybe they were getting 50,000 visitors a day. And after medic, they dropped down to like a thousand visitors a day. We saw a number of sites that were like that. And maybe now instead of getting 50,000 in a day, they're back up to like 25,000. My hope is that this trajectory will improve and, and continue to happen and that we'll be reporting full recoveries by some point next week but I can't guarantee that at this point. If I had to take a guess I would say that probably 75% of the clients that we helped with um, medic or September 27th issues saw some type of improvement. Again not all of them are full recoveries. Now, lots of SEOs who I know are saying, wait, I have not seen any sites uh, making changes, either increases or decreases. So what's happening here? Um, I would say when we combine this with the fact that we're not getting urgent requests for help, um, most likely Google has changed some of the punitive issues that were there in August 1st and September 27th. So what I mean by that is if your site, uh, I, I think the way it works is that Google puts a filter on sites and says, look, for whatever reason, we don't trust this site. They're lacking expertise. They're lacking authority. They're lacking trustworthiness. And for whatever reason, you know, we do not want to consider this as a high EAT site, especially in a, your money or your life vertical. And I think they changed those criteria. One of the sites that we have that's seeing nice recoveries was a site that had fantastic content, um, medically fact-checked, but we think that they were suppressed because the site was very, um, it was focused around lead generation. They were providing leads to uh, uh, professionals in uh, and, and not really disclosing that to their clients. Um, and we think that that was treated as a sign of uh, lack of trust. But yet, I think the new algorithm can recognize that, like, you know what, this site's actually got some pretty good content that we would like to show to people, um, and it's written by authoritative people. Um, And so I think that they took away some of the punitive effect that August 1st and September 27th had. Um, And so what that means is that you're going to see some sites that make dramatic improvements, 
and some sites that see very slight drops. So if you have dropped on your main keywords by one or two positions, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong, but rather what I think is happening is that probably a competitor or two has bumped up ahead of you because they're seeing some recoveries. Now, in some cases, I think those recoveries happened, you know, we have one client that uh, in full honesty here, uh, we could claim like this client is seeing, I want to say a 200% increase. No, wait, that's not right. It's a small increase. It's an increase anyways. Um, and yet we looked at their site and they haven't actually made any of the um, changes that we suggested. And I think in some cases, you know, Google might say that some of these sites are better just because they've reduced the criteria that made them distrust the site in the in the future. But most of the sites that uh, saw improvements, they've been working really hard to improve how they display EAT. Um, also to get authoritative mentions, uh, you know, in places where Google actually wants to count these mentions, um, how they demonstrate their EAT on their site, uh, things like that. So um, again, I'm going to have a very thorough article out at some point next week with my findings um, and uh, some instances of sites that actually have seen improvements. And, um, and then we'll see, you know, by then we'll have some information on what types of sites were hit as well. And then hopefully we can gather uh, some more information on what Google is doing here. So that's all I'm going to say at this point, because we have a ton of other stuff to get through here. And uh, I think I'm probably going to skip through a lot of stuff um, so that we don't make this podcast terribly long. Uh, if you are looking for more information, you can go to mariehaines.com slash newsletter and uh, click through to the most recent um, one. So this is the March 13th newsletter that we're talking about. Paid uh, members have a fair amount more information than the free members do, but a lot of this stuff is in the free version as well. We talked before about how Google is shutting down property sets in Search Console, and you may have received some notification that your sets are being shut down. Uh, it's still a little bit up, up in the air about what Google's going to do to replace this, um, but as of March 28th, uh, any properties that were set up as sets are going to be gone, so just be aware of that. Um, there was some good information. It was a blog post by John Mueller on how Google determines dates on pages. So really, it's not that complicated. He's saying, show a clear date. Uh, we like to put at the top of the page, you know, this article was created on whatever date um, or updated on whatever date. Uh, and then he also recommended that we use structured data to um, to show the most updated date as well. So as a team at MHC, we're actually investing a lot of time into structured data. Um, we've been really researching a lot about entity use and how we can uh, basically use structured data to alert Google to the fact that, hey, we're an entity. Uh, these Our authors are entities and our authors are connected to these other entities. I'm going to have more information on that at some point in the future, but we've got a lot of things we're working on internally here at the company. There's new information in Lighthouse, the Chrome extension, where uh, there's a new mobile-friendly SEO test. Uh, I haven't actually played around with it myself yet, although I think some of my team have, and uh, it looks like something that's quite useful. So I think those of you who do site audits should probably be looking at including this in your audit work. Um, Let's see what else. We're going to skip over a bunch of things here. 
there's some new knowledge panel stuff that's happening. I think Google's using some different colors for certain knowledge panels. I think uh, that's nothing too crazy right now. But if you're monitoring your um, knowledge panel listing and you see some changes, then know that there are some things that are changing for all sorts of sites across the uh, across the web. This was an interesting tip that I was not aware of. Somebody asked John Mueller a question about mobile friendliness. And um, John said that as far as he knows, every time a URL is evaluated, Google determines whether it's mobile friendly. So um, what he was saying is if you use a CDN, a content delivery network, and it makes it hard for Google to render uh, the pages or um, things like session IDs and, and stuff like that, um, it can actually make you lose your mobile friendliness. So uh, that's a tough thing, right? I think... Um, Mobile friendliness is, is really a, a, a tricky thing, but I'll just leave that there as something to mention. Um, you know, you should be running, if you have pages where you're just not sure, you know, maybe their traffic has dropped, um, you may want to run them through the mobile friendly test uh, that uh, Google has just to see if they're still being considered as mobile friendly or not. Um, because in a lot of cases, if you're not mobile friendly, you'll see reductions in rankings on mobile. Um, and potentially, if you've been moving to mobile first indexing, those reductions in rankings could transfer over to desktop as well. There's a cool little tip in the newsletter from Andy Drinkwater uh, talking about internal linking. And uh, one of the things he recommended was, uh, so he said, audit your website, find internally competing pages, remove duplication, and then 301. So let me talk about that. If you have a site that, for example, was talking about, let's say you have a page that talks about diabetes in seniors. And we see this all the time. So then let's say you have another page on your site that talks about 10 things seniors need to know about your blood sugar. Uh, and another page about what older people need to know about diabetes. These are all essentially the same page. And this is an SEO tactic that we used to do years ago, right? We would create content that was essentially the same, but optimized for slightly different terms. And in the past, that was a good thing because, uh, you know, Google might say, oh, if people aren't searching for seniors, but they're searching for information for older people, then they might land on this page. This is not good practice now. And so one of the things I would encourage you to do is if you have a page that's really important to you is look and see, do you have other pages on your site that um, are covering essentially the same topic? And if so, then choose one to be the main page on this. Make sure that all your internal links point to that particular page and also take information from the other versions that you've covered and put that into that one page so that you have the most thorough guide that you can do um, on this topic. And then you are likely to see some nice improvements. Um, something that a lot of you may not know uh, in regards to your robots.txt file. For those of you who are not sure what that is, your robots.txt file, you can see it for your site. If you go to uh, mariehaines.com slash robots.txt. That's going to show you our, our robots.txt file. And this is a file that can do a bunch of things, but really the most often thing that it's used for is to, to tell search engines which parts of the site they're allowed to crawl and which parts of the site they're not allowed to crawl. So for example, you might have all of your search pages blocked by robots.txt so that you're not indexing those in Google's index. And that's a good thing. You should be doing that 
Um, so one thing that I uh, a lot of people probably weren't aware of is that the robots.txt is case sensitive. So if you're capitalizing URLs or um, you know parts of URLs, this is going to make it not work. Um, and you should really, I, we've seen a lot of cases where uh, sites use this mismatch in URLs of some words are capitalized and some are not. And really you should not be using capitals in URLs. It's too confusing. Um, so be aware that if you're using, uh, if you're trying to block sites in robots.txt, you have to be conscious of the capitalization because that makes a big difference. Um, let's see what else we can talk about here. Uh, this is an interesting point. If you have a multi-lingual uh, site, so let's say you have you use hreflang and you've got a Spanish version and you've got an English version of a certain page, something that a lot of people forget is that you should also change your alt attributes on this page. So if you have, for example, the English page had a picture of a penguin and the alt attribute says, here is a penguin, then uh, the French version of that page, you should change the alt attribute to say, voici un penguin. So, um, you know, you want to make it so that the alt attribute is in the language that that page is supposed to rank for, and that can contribute to rankings as well. We've got some information in the newsletter too on the latest installment by Martin Split on JavaScript. If you have a site that's reliant on JavaScript, you should be watching all of Martin's videos. Uh, this one was just basically talking about what is considered a JavaScript site. Um, and you have to be really careful. I heard somebody at a conference uh, say, you know, JavaScript is the new Flash. <laughs> um, so when Flash was around and widely used, it was like pretty cool because you could do all sorts of image stuff and interactive games and all that and it was really good for users but not so good for for SEO and JavaScript is kind of similar um, although if you know what you're doing you can do it properly so I always uh, we always say you know if you're having trouble with rankings one of the things you should investigate is whether Google is able to properly parse your JavaScript it's very very important to uh, to look at that type of thing a few tips from PubCon. So PubCon Florida was a fantastic conference. I really, really enjoyed myself. Um, I spoke with Ann Smarty and Dixon Jones on links and uh, good ways to get links. I also spoke on the quality writers guidelines and did a whole other talk on uh, links as well. And um, Ann Smarty had a really neat tip that those of you who are users of hrefs, there's a section in hrefs to show you which um, backlinks to a site are broken which, you know, I don't know when they added this, but it's super useful. Uh, but you have to know how to parse through the data. Um, when I looked at my own site, so I put in mariehaines.com and uh, you'll see in the left column on hrefs, there's uh, backlinks, there's new backlinks, and then now it says broken backlinks. And when I look at them, a lot of these backlinks are ones that point to um, my old version of my site. I used to be hiswebmarketing.com, and uh, it's treating those as broken. I should see actually, you know, I may actually have a bunch of broken links that I should be redirecting uh, to our, um, you know, current version of the, the page. Uh, but I could see a bunch of links in there that were actually broken that I had not picked up on before. So this could be useful in doing competitor research. Um, what you could do is you could look at a site that's ranking or even a page uh, well, no page wouldn't work. I, I guess a site that's ranking for keywords that you want to rank for. 
see where their broken links are, and then you can actually reach out to those sites that are linking with the broken link and say, hey, I noticed you linked to this resource. We have a way better resource because that link's broken um, and our resource is here. Now, this is tricky because a lot of site owners are really tired of getting broken link building emails like that. So unless you have, um, uh, one good way to do this is to already have relationships with the people that you're sending emails out to. Um, and then another, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think let's just leave it at that. Um, the point is you need to make really, really good content in order for broken link building to work. It's not a super fast technique, but you can get some links that way. So that could be potentially a good thing. Um, somebody asked Gary Ish at PubCon. So Gary talked a lot about images and somebody asked whether Google prefers an HTML page or whether a PDF is just uh, as good. And he said, um, and I quote, we prefer the HTML version strongly over a PDF. And what he said was, uh, when Google sees a PDF, he treats they treat them as a binary image file. So Google crawls them and then they pass them along to normal indexing. And then what they do is they convert the PDF to HTML internally, but all of the images in the PDF are lost. So the text should still be searchable, but the images are lost. So if you have pages on your site that are PDF that get a fair amount of traffic, you should consider converting those into HTML and being able to optimize the images on that page. And you may find that they rank even better as HTML pages as opposed to PDF pages. Oh, let's see. I'm, I'm skipping over a bunch of tips here. So seriously, mariehaines.com slash newsletter, and uh, you can get up to date on uh, all of these tips that are here. Let's move on a little bit more. A little bit more about images. Uh, a lot of people thought I was being facetious here, but Gary said uh, that in order for an image to rank well in image search, it needs to have an image tag. So... Um, um, the left bracket IMG and then right bracket in HTML. And that wasn't facetious because what some people do is they'll use images in their CSS, which is the style sheet for a website, or they'll have images that um, render with fancy JavaScript or something like that. And uh, if you don't have an HTML image tag, then Google's not going to recognize this as an image and it's probably not going to rank well in image search. Um, he also said that there really is good use for image sitemaps. So if you rely a lot on image search, you should be considering having a separate sitemap for images. And if you have a ton of images, there's a limit to how many you can put in one sitemap. And it's escaping me right now what that limit is. I'm sure some of you know. Uh, but if you have massive sitemaps, you might want to look that up and make sure that your sitemaps are not too big. There's no problem with having multiple sitemaps. So um, that's, uh, that's a good thing to help Google find your images and, um, and hopefully index more of them. Um, let's see here. This was a neat find by Glenn Gabe, uh, or somebody from Google. Oh, John Mueller had said that you really want to avoid having a page that the only content on the page is a YouTube video. Um, because Google, I mean, they're getting better at figuring out what the content of a video is, but for the most part, uh, they can't figure it out. Um, so you'll see what we do is uh, we'll include a YouTube video and then we transcribe the video. Um, we played around with a bunch of different transcription services. Uh, I mean, we could pay to have them 
transcribed. We used the Amazon AWS uh, uses machine learning to transcribe and it was downright awful. Um, it took us longer, I think, to correct the transcription than to actually type it out ourselves. But the YouTube, if, if it's on YouTube, YouTube has gotten really good at closed captioning their videos. When we were doing the Google Help Hangouts, we wondered if perhaps they were manually transcribed because it was so good. And then what we did, I did a, a webinar uh, on EAT and we transcribed that and we used Google's or YouTube's um, transcription and it was really, really good. They had some issues. A lot of the places where I said EAT, they replaced it with 80. And uh, what we did was just use find and replace. And so everywhere where it said 80, we replaced it with EAT. Um, but that's something to look into. You know, I think if you're putting, if you're wanting to rank pages with just videos on them, you need to have additional text around the video to make it important for search engines in order to rank well. Let's just talk briefly here about this confusion about Google's quality raters. There was an interesting post that Matthew Woodward uh, put out and I, you know, I'm not going to knock the post. There's some cool stuff in it. It shows you how to use your analytics data to actually determine whether a Google quality rater has visited your site. Now, um, you know, he's got a uh, filter that you can use in Google Analytics uh, or a segment, uh, but really what you need to do is just look at referral data and then search for things like Lionbridge, Appen, A-P-P-E-N, uh, Raider. So there's Raider Hub, there's Raider Labs. And the idea is that if somebody has visited your site from one of these URLs, that uh, it's a quality Raider and they've been told to assess your site. The problem is though that there's some assumptions in this post that don't make sense. Um, so the assumption is, so what Matthew has shown is that uh, you can see, oh, you know, a quality, quality rater reviewed this particular page on this date and then when August 1st happened, this page saw drops in rankings or it saw, saw improvements in rankings. And so we can conclude that you either passed or failed uh, the, the assessment by the quality rater. But this is not really how quality raters work. So I think people are confusing quality raters with the web spam team. If the web spam team visits your site, um, you have the potential to get a manual action on the site. We don't see as many these days as we used to, although we've had an up upswing on uh, uh, requests for manual actions. So, you know, I think they're they're out there. They're, they're still producing some. We had one just this week was for a site that looks like they've overdone it with guest posting uh, and they've received a manual action for this. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's the web spam team. The quality raters are really there to determine uh, how well the Google engineers are doing. So let's say that the Google engineers decide, look, we have this issue where we think that sites that have, I'm, I'm making this up, but I think it's based in some good assumptions, sites that do not have a refund policy, we want to treat those as lower quality. I personally think this was an issue with September 27th. So let's say they write an algorithm or parts of the algorithm to make it so that sites that do not have a clear refund policy that should have a refund policy are not going to rank as well. Then what they do is they make these changes and then they show this new version of the algorithm to the quality raters. And there are tens of thousands of quality raters. So some of them are going to end up looking on, you know, the majority, like some of your sites. And so the quality rater visits your site and says, ah, yes, they do have an easy to access refund page. And so we're going to move on. So they've 
flagged something to the engineers to say, yes, this site that's ranking well has a good uh, refund page. And perhaps they find a site that whatever the algorithmic changes uh, were, they weren't successful in determining that this site that's ranking number three for this top query does not have a refund page. So they mark that as fail. So if that's the case, it doesn't mean that that particular site that has issues with their refund page um, is going to rank poorly. It just means that Google needs to tweak that algorithm so that um, all sites that have that issue do not rank where they want them to rank. Um, and so yes, you're going to see a correlation there, right? But it doesn't mean that the quality rater caused your site to drop. So I suppose you could say like in theory, if somebody was looking at my refund page and then I saw drops, maybe there's an issue with my refund page that I should be looking at. Um, I looked at about 20 different sites that were affected by recent algorithm updates and I really couldn't see a connection that I could make here. So it's fun to look at that stuff. Uh, one of the top pages on my site that was reviewed by a bunch of quality raters was our post on whether Google uses information from the BBB, the Better Business Bureau, in rankings. Um, I don't think they were ranking that page. I think they were just really interested in reading it. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't read too much into this, but it's still a very interesting uh, post to look at. And then let's also talk about this discussion on domain authority from Moz. I feel like I did a little bit of this in last podcast, but it's all a bit of a blur to me. So forgive me if some of this is repeated um, and we're quite over on time here. So I'm going to try to wrap this up soon. Things to know, Moz changed their calculations and how they determine domain authority. And this means, uh, so what they've done is they've find, found ways to remove a bunch of spammy uh, domains or maybe potentially PBNs, private blog networks, uh, out of their calculations of DA. And I think they've done a really good thing here. But what it means is that on average, most sites have seen a drop of 16% in your domain authority. So if you saw this drop, don't be worried. I mean, really don't worry. Domain authority, Google's not using it. It's just a metric that we can use that we can say, all right, comparing my site to my competitor's site, I have higher domain authority. So I think I'm doing something correctly in terms of getting links. Um, this got a lot of flack because there were some people confused thinking that uh, if their domain authority dropped, that their rankings are going to drop. And really it was just a recalculation in how Moz determines domain authority. So if your domain authority has dropped, if it dropped more than 16%, then uh, you might be looking at the quality of the links that are pointing to your site. And perhaps you might want to be considering disavowing some links, but that's something I would not uh, make those judgments based on domain authority, based on spam score, uh, based on any sort of tool that would tell you what to do, um, but rather based on are these links made solely for SEO? Um, and if so, then those are the types that you might want to disavow. Uh, let's see a couple more things. There was a bit of a glitch in SEMrush last week. If you were trying to get information and it wasn't working, it's probably not you, it was them. Um, that's fixed now though. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I find it interesting looking at the March 13th or 12th update. Uh, there's some sites that the SEMrush data doesn't line up with what we're seeing in search console. Um, but for the most part, if we're seeing increases in SEMrush, there's also increases in, in, uh, sorry, not search console in analytics. Uh, so it's hard with a third party tool to determine traffic patterns, but I think they do a, a fairly decent job. Um, there's a bunch of local SEO news, although I'm kind of running out of time here. Um, you can now make, uh, if you're in the U S and if you use a Google pixel phone, you can now use your phone to make, 
uh, a reservation at a restaurant, which is really interesting. I mean, that sounds dumb. Of course, you can use your phone. You can pick it up and call the restaurant, but you can use Google Assistant uh, and you basically tell the assistant, hey, I'd like to make a reservation at this restaurant at 7 p.m. And then the assistant will do that for you and will send you... Um, a notification as well as an email and a calendar invite for your new reservation. So that's kind of cool that uh, that type of thing is happening. Although I bet you the restaurants are going to get sick and tired of dealing with uh, robots. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see on that. Um, let's see here. There's some interesting stuff about ads uh, appearing in knowledge panels. Um, you can read the newsletter for that. Uh, and this was one interesting thing. Joy Hawkins was talking at Engage, which I'm really sad that I missed Engage in Portland this year. It overlapped with uh, PubCon Florida, and uh, I'm trying to do just a tiny bit uh, of less travel this year, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but it sounds like Joy's talk in Engage was just absolutely incredible. Uh, and one thing she was talking about was if you get a review that's like a one-star review and has no actual text in the review, they're almost impossible to get removed. Um, we actually had that for, we finally got around to setting up a Google My Business profile for Marie Haynes Consulting. I can't believe it's taken me this long to do it. Um, we don't have a lot of clients that are local to us. We don't get a lot of walk-in traffic, although we do get some. And, uh, you know, so we only have a couple of reviews on there and we got a one-star review from somebody who I don't think is our client. There was no explanation. Uh, so I approached Google My Business um, by sending them a direct message in Twitter to say, hey, could we get this removed? Because this guy's in like a completely different country. Uh, we don't think we've ever done business with them. And Google said, no, we, you know, we can't. There's no violation of their policies. Um, you know, we could get it removed if we could show that he was a competitor or he was um, a former employee or something like that. So the point that Joy brought up was that um, you can't get those removed, but reviews with no text on them uh, automatically appear at the bottom of your reviews. So if you look at our profile right now, we've got uh, three reviews because we haven't been soliciting reviews at all. Two of them are five star and one of them is this one star review. The five star reviews appear first. Um, I also responded to the one star review, uh, which I think everybody should do if you, um, you know, if you actually are getting bad reviews. Uh, and I think you should respond in a way. I think my response says something like, hey, I'm really sorry that you gave us a one star review. We don't have any record of actually working with you. But um, if you could tell us, you know, what we did incorrectly, we would like to fix that for you. Um, and so then people who are reading these reviews, people have common sense, you know, they're going to see that uh, this really wasn't an issue with this business. It was more likely just a disgruntled person for maybe it's an angry person. I don't know. Anyways, if any of you have worked with us and you want to leave us a review, then feel free to find our uh, Marie Haynes Consulting Inc. profile and uh, and leave us a review. We'd love that. Um, that's something uh, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to be working more on uh, pushing out some help for local businesses. And so we'll be uh, working more on our own G GMB profile as well. Um, I'm going to end it there because we've had uh, a lot of really good discussion in this podcast. I usually try to keep it 20 minutes and I think we're at about 40 minutes now. 
I greatly appreciate all of you who are listeners of this podcast. Of course, if there's ever anything else that uh, you feel we could be doing differently in the podcast to give more value to you, you can reach out to us at help, H-E-L-P, at mariehaines.com. And that same email address will work for uh, if you're looking for a site review. Um, I think our waiting list is currently about eight weeks for a site review. Although uh, if we are seeing sites that have been negatively affected by this update, uh, that will uh, speed up quickly. We're also taking on clients for link audits. And right now our uh, waiting list for that is not too big, uh, but we're going to be pushing out some stuff very soon on link audits, which is going to make our waiting list um, hopefully quite huge. We'll see. Uh, So if you're interested in a link audit, now is the time to get in on that. So uh, that's all we've got for this week. And uh, I will be back next week with more information on this latest update. Um, And also, I'll probably send out an email to all of the newsletter subscribers, either paid or free, once I've thoroughly analyzed the update. And so if you want to get on the newsletter, mariehaines.com slash newsletter will do it for you. Um, So I wish you the best of luck with your rankings and uh, hopefully we'll see great improvements from this point on.